So, I'm talking about NBA and WNBA, man. That's right. We back, baby. Woo. Oh, you're speaking of sports. I didn't know your man Mookie Betts set out. Oh, Mookie set out? No, I didn't. I didn't see that. Yeah, I I just saw. I mean, who gives a shit about baseball? But I just <laughs> I just saw the alert from ESPN just now that he he didn't play today. Did you see? Did you see Kenny Smith walk off? I I saw a thumbnail on YouTube just now. Like, I mean, I mean, Ken, Kenny a, Kenny is interesting. Inside <laughs> the NBA, inside the NBA is a very interesting social experiment of how we America we just want fans people to do ridiculous shit, and this show definitely does not need Shaq in any way, shape, or form. It right. never did. But now they basically have him as the as the buffoon who argues with Chuck and tells sinners to get aggressive, which neither of that is very helpful at all. No. And like and Kenny is always like I mean I feel I feel kind of bad for Kenny because it's kinda of like he's a straight when he's better than all of them. As far as like like he like he analyzes basketball very, very well. And like he'll come and make a decent point, then Shaq will be, well, you know, Anthony Davis, you know, how many points he get? Twenty-one. Gotta get five, six more tonight. How many, how many points he average? Twenty-five. Gotta have six more tonight. We were center. You, you gotta, oh, Chuck, you ain't got no championship rings. Like, bro, like he is like, and the and the funny thing is, we all forgot how fucking. Ernie voted. Everyone forgot how Ernie voted for a write-in Republican for president last election, and for a fucking Republican that wasn't even running. Like, yo. Wait, wait. Who did Ernie vote for? He voted for some. He. I don't know. I don't even remember his name. Like that's how useless his vote was. And he oh, and he went on. He he went on air. And was like he like was telling America about it and how like I guess he was remorseful for it. Yeah. But it's like, bro, like that shit's way too late. Like, like you wasted your fucking vote. Like, oh my god, this. Like, I, 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 I gotta know. I gotta know now. Revisits his viral Trump speech. Who the hell did he? Everyone sharing Ernie election monologue, his viral Trump moment. Um, Kasich, is that it? Yeah, John. John Kasich. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah, he like I don't know what kind of points he was trying to get for that, but I mean, hell, we all forgot. So hey, I guess he comes out the winner. I guess I don't know, but. <sighs> It's, it's a, 
we were living in very interesting times, man. If you'd have told me at the turn of December thirty first, uh, twenty nineteen, in twenty twenty, not only would there be a world pandemic, mm-hmm. we would see the NBA of all leagues. Well, I don't actually. Yeah, the NBA of all leagues is planning a boycott when the WNBA. These women have been. They've been in the trenches before the NBA did. Mm-hmm. And LeBron James, these billion dollar like like million dollar athletes playing for billion dollar corporations are are boycotting in the playoffs. Like in the playoffs. Like that's that's the key. Like this isn't like, like this isn't Wizards versus Bulls. Yeah, like this isn't like some regular throwaway game, like I I tweeted that if Minnesota started, well, if uh, Milwaukee started the protesting and other teams follow suit, I will love that. But I didn't think it would happen. I tweeted that yesterday. I I just saw that tweet before I looked at the trending topics. And then I saw that the Raptors were talking about not playing. And then I saw that the Bucks didn't come out. So it was like, it was right. It was your tweet, uh, the Raptors news. And then, the Bucks didn't come out, which is yeah. just insane. So let me let me hit you with this wild ass theory that I've heard, that I was told at work. Okay, so apparently the Mayan calendar, um, <laughs> you know the one that said that in 2012 everything was going to end. Yes. Apparently uh, our calendar is missing eight years from the Mayan calendar. So apparently this is our 2012. I mean, it feels like it, man. Like it feels like a blanket of never-ending pain. <laughs> like, like, bro, like it's it's. I sent you and our f- mutual friends the video of the journalist who was talking to the players in the, inside the bubble. I thought you were talking and, about the subway video, so I'm glad we're talking about that. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that was wild too. Yeah, but yeah. um. It's to see these ball players who are distraught, like they don't give a shit about basketball right now. Mm-hmm. And then to have them actually exercise their rights and do this remarkable thing. I think it's a great thing. I think that a lot of people are still really questioning the motives behind it. I'm not even talking about for people who are conservative or people who like, you know, support police. Like even if you're on a side of the players, it's still really fair to question. Well, one, what's the ultimate end goal of all of this? And also why did it take four years for this type of shit to happen? Like, yeah, like today is literally the four year anniversary of when Cap Cap first knelt. Which is and, crazy. Yeah, and other than other than the WNBA, all these other leagues really kind of gave well nothing. Like they like there were players that obviously supported Cap, but the leagues in general, like they weren't doing nothing for Black Lives Matter. Like it was something that Cap laid out, and then. Now, in 2020 of all years, now this is a year when everyone is doing it also. Yeah. So now it's like the cool thing to do. 
Yeah, and people really did dismiss Kyrie Irving when he said going into the bubble probably wasn't the best thing. Like holding out and staying out of the bubble would have facilitated power behind the players to get things done that they needed to do. But a large faction, including LeBron James, they wanted to keep playing so they can generate the money so the league wouldn't take the money this year. So it's funny how a lot of the times we really did dismiss Kyrie Irving, and then now he looks like a genius. Well, yeah, this the flat Earth genius. Like, <laughs> I mean, how hell a broken clock is right twice a day. Twice a day, absolutely. So it's. I think we're in a very precarious time. We're in a very dangerous time. Like when yeah. we, like when we, when we were seeing this shit, and like you know, some of the textbooks when we were hearing stories from like older black people. I remember one day I asked my dad. We were driving down DC, and I asked my dad like, "How was DC when Martin Luther King got killed?" And he was the city was a fucking mess. But right, right, right up until. The line of where the federal government began in, in downtown D.C., they were like, none of that shit happened to the federal buildings, but all the hoods, yeah, you, yeah, you niggas can ransack them motherfuckers. Like, we don't care about that. Oh, of course not. And so you hear these things, you, you quasi-see these things. If you have good professors or have good friends or have knowledgeable friends, you may read about these things, but you don't you really buy into that sort of American dream of there's no way fascism could be a real thing. Like democracy is what we have and we love it here in America, but we're currently in a fascist state. Like yeah. we're, we're currently like under siege, like our rights are sexual rights, voting rights, like all these rights that we're, we're guaranteed by the constitution they're just getting trampled and the like it's it's very remarkable about the time that we're currently living in and and who knows if we're going to survive like that's like between the pandemic and trump like and the cops like what yeah. what does what does survival actually look like it's it's a, it's a scary concept because i mean I heard it. I heard when what happened to Jacob Blake, and I actually woke up to it being posted by Fifty Cent of all people, and I saw this dude getting shot in the back, and I was like, "That has to be old footage, man. Tell me that's old footage." And Fifty's like, "Hey, shoot this nigga back, like, yo, fuck that. The cops don't give you know." And like Fifty was like, "This this track Fifty. I'm like, oh, I ain't seen this Fifty in a minute." So I was like, "All right, this something must have popped off, man." So I, I started looking, and I realized what happened to him, and. I didn't go to the same place that I did a few months ago with getting super depressed and getting upset about it because I specifically put myself in that dis in that distress space for that episode because I wanted to kind of be in that that moment of of the suffering and just record what came out. Um, I I was definitely disappointed. I was sad, but it it really felt like same shit, different day. And no one's going to notice this is how I felt. So for the response to come a few days later, especially like this, because we just had playoff games last night and for the players to 
you know, really rally around the, each other, the whole, the whole league and even ownership, like the buck. I mean, the ownership really has their hands are tied. They can't really say, I can't believe our, we don't own our players actions. Like the bucks uh, owners are like, we support the bucks. Like, yeah. You want them to go back out there and play in the playoffs. So to, to see them take a stand, it's, it's an incredible thing. And as soon as I realized that everything got canceled, I was like, yo, we have to talk about this because this is monumentous, momentous, whatever. <laughs> it's monumental. How about that? Yes. And it's, it has never happened before in overnight sports. And once again, it's the NBA. And again, it's the player empowerment movement, but it's the player empowerment movement taken to a whole entirely different level because it's not just, I don't want to be on your team anymore. I can, I'm going to force my way here. This is literally like, I don't want to play the sport I love and get paid what I do for you because of what's happening to black people in this country. And it's, it's this amazing thing. And what do you think is going to come of this? Do you think it'll just be a couple days and then they go back and play ball? Or do you think like, I, do you think that because Woj is already reporting that NBA veterans are like behind the scenes saying that this could cancel the whole season and not to leave the WNBA out. I saw that the, there still had NBA WNBA coverage on tonight. I turned to it and those women are out there with Jacob Blake shirts and uh, they had seven bullet holes painted on their back and everything and talking to, to the media and saying, we decided not to play either. They canceled all their games. They're not in the playoffs yet, but still they're in their own bubble in another part of Florida to play professional basketball. And they're, they're taking a stand. And then um, there's been other players who are taking a stand. Like, what do you think comes of this? I know, obviously it's not like, Oh man, NBA is going to stop playing. Let's go out here and, and find Brianna Taylor's killers and arrest them or anything like that. But what do you think comes of this? Um, I, it's very new. It's, it's only, it's been less than five to six hours since all this came out. If you don't know the answer to this question, that's totally fine. For the, we all have kind of like a quasi good sort of working knowledge of the Montgomery bus boycotts, right? Mm-hmm. Led by Martin Luther King, famously kickstarted by um, Rosa Parks, right? Mrs. Parks, absolutely. How long would you guess that boycott lasts? <sighs> if memory serves me correctly, like 42 days? That might be too high. The campaign started December 5th, 1955. Mm-hmm. It's technical in December 20th, 1956. So a whole year. Wow. What we don't really know now is one specifically, what is the actual goal of this boycott? The players need to kind of make that a bit clear. I know the Milwaukee Bucks, they had a statement that came out a little while ago, and it was along the lines of one of the one one of the things that they wanted was an end to uh gerrymandering with the Republicans. That's that's a tangible goal that you can say, you know, we want to have this done. We want this eliminated. Mm-hmm. But it's beyond just sort of that one thing because if that's your one thing, you know, there's way more on the table that needs to be discussed than just one thing. So 
my cousin, he asked me, you know, how long, how long is it gonna last? I honestly, I don't know. Like, he's like, I don't know, cuz, cuz. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Like, I um, it depends on what the goal is. Like, if if our if our goal, if the w, if the NBA's goal is to bring awareness to you know this black man shooting and police brutality. I mean, technically, a boycott of one game by all these teams has has kind of done that. But the awareness aspect of it is something that we've long gone past of needing. Like, yeah, like, awareness is, like, the very base level of this. But what actual change are they trying to initiate? Are they trying to force their ownership? Because all these owners, yeah, the team's... They're on the they're on the court wearing the jerseys. They have Black Lives Matter on the courts. Whatever, whatever. How many of these sports owners have actually come out in support of the Black Lives Matter movement? Like, I I, I know right. none. Like like what like there's not in the NBA, not in the NFL. Like, there's, other than Bubba Wallace, like, no NASCAR person is doing this. Like, right. like in the in the Major League Baseball, like, the black baseball players have been protesting, but their ownership... The jerseys say Black Lives Matter on the, on the baseball jerseys, too. But, you know, and Fenway has the, the Black Lives Matter, like, portrait on the front of one of the gates outside of Fenway. But specifically, what are these owners doing to actually prove that they believe that Black Lives Matter? What are these owners doing to force the hand of, of politicians in their states, in their counties, and in their cities to promote actual change? Like, we can say Black Lives Matter, but realistically, if the if the police are doing what they're doing, and then no one is further like propelling this argument of we need either police reform or defund police, none of this shit matters. And the wildest shit I saw on Twitter today, <laughs> and we, I, I can't, I asked you a little bit of history before. Well, yeah. The wild, well, the wildest shit I saw on Twitter today was you can't reform slave patrollers. Like the police, yeah. the police establishment in this country is based on them being slave catchers. Like think of think of fucking uh Chuck Norris's Walker Texas Ranger. Like he's a he's a white guy that does kung fu on USA network, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. The, do you do you have any idea of what the Texas Rangers were? Uh they were slave hunters. They caught Mexican and black slaves that crossed over into Mexico. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah. Like like, I remember finding that like I was I was just randomly googling Walker, Texas Ranger like years ago, and I was like, "What's a Texas Ranger?" And then I saw that I was like, "Oh," and his partner was Trevette, a black dude. Go figure. I mean, hey man, like this is like these are things that are not made up. Like these are things where we see video of police officers throwing up white power symbols. Gang signs. You saw gang signs. They're throwing up white power gang signs. Like embedded in this country are things so ingrained in American society that we need 
a crack in the fissure. Like we need great change if we want if we want this if we want America to be what America says it is, but it's actually not. Right. Like like even when we talk about equality, if you think about it, this equality shit is not equal. White people have to give up their power in order to have these citizens of America be equal to them. Like that's that's just not happening. And the ep- like one of the last episodes that we recorded together, I just asked a simple question, like, what are white people gonna do to save this country? Right. Like, and that's still the question of the hour. Like, what are these white NBA owners, these white major league baseball owners, like these, you know, white politicians, these congressmen, these mayors, like, what are they gonna do to save my black ass? <laughs> It's not funny, but it was just the way it came off. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a question that nobody has an answer for. It's uh, the same thing we've been struggling with before May, and the same thing that we're right back in of, of with uh, the shooting of uh, Jacob Blake. So uh, just a little update from Chris Mannix. It said, in the meetings with the players and stuff like that. The players spoke passionately about voting and police reform per sources. There's a sense from some that if owners don't come up with something that makes them believe staying will help move these important issues forward, the season is done. So I I, I don't know, man. Um, it, It doesn't seem like anything was accomplished tonight as far as the basketball goes, but back to, what's happening in the country and what's continued to happen in the country. Um, I was extremely frustrated uh, when I spoke about everything that happened before. I'm extremely frustrated now. And I stated the words that police just find a way to keep killing us. That's, that's all they do. They, they constantly just find black people and they kill them for one reason or another. This time it was, I don't know if like he was involved in a domestic dispute and then, then he was breaking up a fight and then he was going to his car and then he didn't stop. And then he decided to get in the car, like keep getting in the car. And then they just shot seven shots at him and four of them hit. And now he's paralyzed and I see you making faces over there. So is that due to some, something you're reading or is it just some wild stuff you're reading just in general? So we're getting back to like what is the end game? Like what yeah. is the goal of this? So yeah, the players and the teams have voted to continue the season. Two teams voted to actually strike. To Which keep one? striking. The greatest best the one one team holds the greatest basketball player of all time. The second team was suspected to play that team in the Western Conference Finals. Both LA teams voted to continue Lakers striking. And the Both teams continue to vote to keep striking, and every other team voted to keep the season. It's like Le- LeBron James, is- LeBron Yo. James is continually proving he's the greatest ever. Dude, I have a whole a whole episode about why he he's the greatest of all time, man. And I I and I every time I think about. Like I made a mistake because I'll see something of Jordan's and I'm like, man, he's just so great at playing basketball. Like things like this that fucking matter in the moment, things that Jordan wouldn't do back in the day because Republicans buy tennis shoes. Like this, this is crucial. 
And LeBron tweeted at 4.37 p.m. He said, fuck this man. We the man change. Sick of it. And I was looking at his replies. And the first couple were cool. But then all, and then all of a sudden, the hate just started raining down. And like one of the first comments is, King James has 47 million followers. And if even half vote Biden-Harris 2020. Oh, wait. No, they're actually on our side. Um, a washed up NBA player defending a thug. Here's one. There's one. Um, bite me, Labruski. You have no power whatsoever off your little court. Waddle off now, Skidditchler. Yeah, that's a that's a real thing. Um, Rex Chapman said, now we're talking. So Rex Chapman's down. Um, let's see. Where was this energy for Hong Kong? A lot of comments about the China situation from last summer that he never that he was very mid on. He didn't really ha- he didn't say anything. Hey man, that's and that I mean, actually, we can talk about that a little bit. Basically, like from the players' perspective, a lot of them didn't really feel comfortable with it because they didn't really have kind of knowledge of what China is, which I mean, you complete ignorance, like, I mean, that's not really for me to argue for or argue against, but that was just a play of like protecting the bread. And so that is very problematic in a lot of ways, but you can, you can only like explain away just the fact that when they go to China, they don't see the real China. They only go if they've ever gone, which other than Kobe and maybe a handful of players, like, they're not really going to China like that. And so yeah. they don't know like the real China. They don't know what that real China shit is. And it's it's kind of like an ignorance thing. Whether you whether you kind of believe them not really know what happened in China or not, but they were they weren't saying anything about China because of the bread. Like that's that's basically like the long and short of it. So that's I mean, <laughs> that's what capitalism does, man. Like like if we're ready, and another thing with NBA players, they do like with this striking and stuff. Like, if people want real change, like we have to talk about the effects of capitalism, and yeah, how how embedded that is in American society, American culture, and how a lot of dangerous things are sprouted from capitalism. Like for public school systems to be open because they need money from their state because they need asses in the classroom. That is capitalism at its worst. Yeah. Like for these football programs to want to keep playing in their stadiums because they need, they need that concession money. They need the sales. Like they need the ad revenue you know, from ESPN or Fox or whatever, like that is what capitalism has done to us. Like, like we've become slaves to, we've become slaves to paper and dead presidents. Like that's, that's what it is. And I feel like we're going like mad militant tonight, but like, these are all things that this boycott should be bringing to the surface and what people's thinking with their thought processes. Right. Because my, my major thing, that I took away again from the hopeless pod was I said I was waiting for the new cycle to roll over and get away from black lives matter and George Floyd and um, Ahmed Arbery and Brianna, Ta- Brianna Taylor. And ultimately it did like there. And then there's still things popping up about like, Oh, even though it's not on your feed, black lives don't matter. But the media, just like I knew it would moved on. 
even though protests continued, even though people were still out there trying to um, just speak out and for black lives and, and trying to invoke change in their own ways and things like that, it got really lost again. It just, just like normal, a, a black, a black guy ends up dead and people are like, Oh man, that's terrible. We shouldn't do that. Dang. We got to do better. And then two days later, it's like, man, you see Trump walking down that ramp. That shit was hilarious. And uh, the Trump thing was mine, but <laughs> um, the ramp was pretty hilarious. But seriously, like, it it just felt like a part of the stupid cycle that news goes in. And even the, thanks to the internet, the way things just move so fast, I just knew that this moment would last a little longer than what it was going to, than what it normally would. And then everybody would move away. And that's what happened. And now this happened and then there wasn't an immediate response again. And now with this, it's like, look, we came here on here to this bubble, um, the WNBA and the NBA. We, don't like being down here because Paul George just talked about in his press conference last night that how depressed and anxiety, how, how much he's had being in the bubble. I'm not going to talk on Paul George's abilities right now. We're trying to be serious. Um, but he's like, I, I had anxiety. I was depressed. I didn't like being here. And then as this, the word bubbled around that the protest, the boycott was going to happen, that a lot of people were saying that people would literally leave the bubble. And now if the Lakers the Lakers and the Clippers both decide not to continue the season. That means the Lakers and Clippers are still going to boycott. So are you just going to take the two best teams out of the West and just automatically advance the Mavericks and Blazers and play the rest of the playoffs? Or well, like, I don't how, know. how does all that work? Like, I don't, I don't know. Well, they voted to boycott, but reporting our majority of teams have voted not to keep it no, going. They voted to cancel the season is what they vo- voted to do. And the rest of the teams voted to continue playing. Yeah, but I mean, then it's still like, I mean, they voted, but I mean, they're still in the bubble. So, I mean, they can still play. So that's what's sad. Like this, like we, like we need, you know, sort of a clear understanding of what they actually want. Like yeah, if they're one, if the whole one game boycott, the funny thing is like, if their whole one game boycott was just this one game on this one night, it's really just a rain delay. Like, exactly. It's yeah. It's inclement weather. So hundred percent. So yeah, like there, there needs to be goals. Like, and this is, I mean, I, I don't know if I talked about it on this podcast, but this is even kind of like how, if you, you, if you remember in like, what, what was that? Like 2012 or 2013, like the Occupy Wall Street uh, movement. Oh my God. Yeah. How, you know, yeah. Er- like people were protesting, you know, these capitalist machines, um, which was great, but there was no end goal to that. Like there was no stated kind of goal of where they actually wanted to go with it. And kind of what I've been thinking a lot about, and this would be good to get your opinion on too. Mm -hmm. If you've kind of noticed, we don't have any political leaders anymore. And, a lot of people kind of feel that it's a good thing of how people people can just kind of in mass rely on themselves and also how people are flawed inherently like if if you pick any person in in America or in the world you can find something that's probably problematic about what they've done or or what they said or whatever i'm of the mindset that i do think we need 
figureheads and leaders in this country because when Martin Luther King got murdered, that that ended the civil rights movement. And then after that, we only really had a handful of people that we can really sort of point to and say, you know, here's a leader. And then even in those leaders like Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton, like they became men who were who became compromised and who kind of failed along the way. Fallible, yeah. So what do you kind of think about the state of kind of where we are now? Like, are you in favor of how it is kind of now of how these sort of natural movements are just bubbling up? Or do you think that we kind of need a leader to kind of guide us on where to go? I feel like... I, I honestly would love to see a true leader in our lifetime because it's not something that we that me or you have ever experienced ever. Like Mar- Martin Luther King killed years ago, um, Malcolm X killed years ago, Jesse Jackson, Sharpton, fallible, like I said, like you just said. Um, it, it's great that the small little movements pop up and people get behind those. But if we had a true figurehead who we could really rally behind and someone who was able to really push out there the message that black people aren't treated the same in this country, then I feel like there would be less divisiveness maybe with it because you'll have people like me who get upset and hate everything but feel powerless. They get um, You'll have people like who say, oh, Black Lives Matter, um, none of that shit matters. We need to kill the people who killed Breonna Taylor. We need to take it all back in blood. We need to, we need to uh, start a revolution against, that, uh, against um, our oppressors. There's people like that. There's black people who feel like all lives matter, who think that, oh, well, obviously that black person didn't do what they were supposed to do. And that's the reason that they were they were killed like that. And I trust my my fellow police officer. Um, I have beers with them and the cops have never done wrong by me. And even though I've seen the cops do wrong to my people, um, you know what? Black lives uh, like um, black lives matter. My life matters. But you know what? All life matters, guys. And and that's really important to me. And I don't understand why y'all get so upset. You have that. If we had a true leader who. And I don't know who it would be, man, woman, trans, uh, whatever you want to call them, non-binary, whoever came to that forefront to say, to become this, ultimately, it's a scary thing, but they would have to ultimately become a martyr for black lives. And that's ultimately what always happens. And at least what we see in our lifetime, I'd love for them not to get murdered in cold blood, but for someone to really step up and say, look, you're doing this the wrong way. And I want to show you how we can invoke tra- invoke change without not not to say that violence isn't the answer, because I feel like there's times I feel like violence is the answer. But ultimately, do we want to go to have civil war, too, uh, in this country? Like sometimes it feels like it. But is that something that's reasonable? Probably not. But I just feel like if we had someone who could really guide black people as a whole and someone that we could all get someone who could reach everyone I feel like it would rally us more in the same direction where change would actually matter and not just be in a 24-hour news cycle, if that makes sense. If you keep in that sense of the thought process and how we were talking about how 
like Jesse and Al, like they eventually prove themselves like to to be foul, to to be yeah. faulted. A lot of this does stem Barack Obama. I'm I'm reading this book that was published in I believe twenty let's see. It was pu- published in I believe um in twenty ten. About yeah, it was published May twenty ten from this writer, uh William Jelaney Cobb, and it's called The Substance of Hope. And it's about the road of Barack Obama getting elected. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was in 2008, 2007. Okay. And a lot of it does sort of show the fault of how, one, like, you talk about, like, in 86, when Jesse ran, um, 86, 88, when Jesse ran, he was someone completely different from what he is now. Like, he was someone back then that people legitimately looked at as an agent of change where you're talking about. Yeah. And then, you know, he, he lost obviously. And he kind of grew into this sort of, this sort of leader in the late eighties, early nineties. And then somewhere along the lines, particularly once he got to Barack where it kind of faltered for him after that. And with Barack, that whole promise of, we just need someone black to lead us in a political way. We really believe that with Barack Obama, like even though he was constantly telling us he wasn't going to be a president just for black people, we did believe that he would make black lives better in America when he never accomplished that. He did a lot of great things for this country, but the education gaps, the wealth gaps, discrimination, housing discrimination, um, just opportunities economically to better oneself, none of those in the two terms that he served got decreased between black Americans and white Americans. Right. So, not. so and, and Barack ran on that platform and he stayed in that platform for all those for those eight years, and this idea of hope, we hoped that we were on that train with him, but we weren't. So b- before we elected them, all those other black leaders, they fell to the wayside. Barack gets elected during his eight years. There, Barack is the face of of the what we call the most powerful country in the world. No other civil rights leaders emerged during that time period. Like police shootings and killings still continue to happen under him. Yep. And when he left office, we got handed over to Trump. And now yeah, it's did. now it's kind of like, yeah, we had, you know, Black Lives Matter movement. We've had, you know, Me Too. Like we've had these different sort of social movements. We had we had a rebirth of Black Lives Matter. But now it's kind of like we're people without a North Star. Like, like wow. we, like we need, we need some sort of guidance. Like, and yeah, people are faulty. Like people, people are greedy. Like people like power. And so I think a lot of what people don't want is someone 
who's going to pimp us out for a book deal in a TV show on some news channel making dozens of millions of dollars but not doing a fucking thing for us. Yeah. So it's 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 really hard. Like like these are like really hard things that black Americans have to kind of wrestle with like like the religious leaders in this country are virtually non-existent for a number of reasons. Yeah. Like political They're all kind leaders, of trash. Like even elected officials other than the AOCs that we have um how many of those actually exist within our own states that are tangible that we can actually touch and talk to? In Texas, I, San Antonio, they don't exist to me. In right. Texas, they don't exist to me. When I lived in West Virginia, they didn't exist to me back then. So, you know, how like how are we supposed to survive this country that is not built for us? Like that's it's it's really hard to juggle, man. It's so hard to juggle in twenty twenty. Has really brought this up all to the surface. Yeah, and I mean, we we knew we wanted more from Barack than what Barack could give is ultimately what it is. Um, I mean, we're sitting here talking on our podcast, the Barack Obama Prove World's Greatest Podcast, and it's only because Barack Obama happens to follow me on Twitter. It's not because mm-hmm. Barack Obama affected change in our lives. What well, what is that smirk? <laughs> I know. I mean, like, like, like po- there's, there's positive things that Barack did. Yes, yes. I mean, the promo when talking... he, he did the promo for me, and he said he doesn't always agree with my policies, but yeah, you, know, you know, I like the son of a bitch. You know, um, yeah, that was more like... Vince McMahon, but <laughs> oh, Vince McMahon, he wants to be Donald Trump, but like, but Barack and the, even the listeners to say, you know. I don't believe Barack did anything at all for those eight years. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying as a black man who wants to start a black family someday, who has black friends with black family members, other than gay rights equality, which is very important, and I'm not dismissing Mm -hmm. that. Right. There are other factors in life that he didn't improve. Yeah, like... When he got elected and the American Health Care Act passed, that allowed people to get insurance for themselves and have insurance coverage. That's a great thing. But why weren't we trying to dismantle these these profitable insurance conglomerates in the first place? Wouldn't that have been a better move to do? Um, like wouldn't free, wouldn't free health care been the better move to do? So <laughs> that would that would have so, definitely made more sense, yeah. So, like, and and it it was good having an actual you know a, intelligent person, a charismatic person, being the face of America. That was pretty cool to have for eight years. But I'm talking about when I go to apply for a house loan, I'm probably still going to get discriminated against. I'm talking about when I go to ask for a raise at my job. Uh, the chances of me getting that raise back then, um, you know, they they were what they were. It was nil. So, yeah. like the the education that I would have given my you know non-existent children, the schools that I would send them to, like the like those wouldn't be quality schools that the same parents that a white family would send their kids to. Like those are just realities that we have to face on a daily basis. 
And I mean, we're still living in the rooms of that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough, man. It, it's real tough because, I mean, I was having a conversation with a coworker recently, and she's she's a white lady. She's a couple years older than me, and she was talking about not not necessarily not understanding all the outrage. She understood that, but she was also saying that she didn't see racism because she did. She said she didn't actually see racism like that. And she's she's probably because I'm a, um, a white person. I'm like, yeah, that has a lot to do with it. Yes. But literally. yeah. Yeah. Like, and it's like, you don't see the racist situations cause you don't have to worry about any of your loved ones getting pulled over and not coming home. Or if the, the cops show up to something, if y'all are too loud at a party that one of y'all might not leave that party alive, that, that's not something that you have to actually worry about. And there, there's times out there where like the cops use an excessive force and everything like that. There's bef- before the social media age, um, you heard about a black guy getting shot a black man being shot and it'd be like, Oh, well he was resisting arrest or he did this. He had a gun, he had a knife before body cameras, anything like that. And then you kind of had to take it at face value. It's like, all right, well it seems like he had a reason to be killed. And you always had that in the back of your head, especially when we were younger and you're like, like they're trying to, um, it's probably different for you because you're from a bigger city. I was in the middle of BFE. Um, and I never had any run-ins with the, with the police until I was in college. So like you, you just don't, it's just different for everybody because people's experiences are their own experiences. And so when you heard back in the day that somebody got hurt or murdered or something like that, you kind of speculated that it was something that they did, but with the rise of social media and cameras and everything like that and people documenting everything, especially in the last six to seven years since Trayvon was Trayvon's been eight years now, hasn't it? Wasn't that 2012? Yeah. Yeah. So since then and people being more aware of the tactics the police use against us, it's, it's insane to see, how these situations unfold and and they still will go out there and say, Oh, well he had a knife. Uh, that that's why we did that. He, he threatened us or something like that. But then the, the video proof is clearly saying that that, that wasn't the story that they were stopped or they were listening to the police. And then you decided to put your knee on his neck for seven minutes, nine minutes, 12 minutes, whatever the fuck. Like the the stories ain't matching up no more, and it's getting it's never been easy to trust the police, but it makes it incredibly hard to trust a police officer. And there's even I don't know if you saw this dumb video, Marcus, but do you see the black politician in Baltimore, the black girl in the pink suit, walking no. around in her heels, bro? Yeah, I got sent this video by someone I will not name who I love very deeply and I wish that they understood better. But um, yeah, they sent me this video and this is black politician. Um, it's a, a lady. I can't remember her name. And she's walking around like the um, the the houses like like it's Project Baltimore. It's stuff we saw right out of the wire. Right. And she's walking the same area a bunch of times and saying like black people need the police 
and they're and P and the Democrats have made them scared, like are trying to strike fear into their hearts and all this stuff. And she's like, and it's just completely awful video. And then they have a couple black people in there, like, no, I don't want you to defund the police because you defund the police. Uh, that means that they ain't going to ever show up. They'll never show up anyway. And blah blah blah. And then the freaking Donald scare ads that YouTube was running. Like right after, like even a few weeks ago, when I was watching stuff on YouTube, it was like nine one one. We'll answer your call in three days and things like that. It's just more scare tactics. Like for me, to fund the police doesn't mean get rid of operators who can send a police officer to the scene of a crime. Like to fund the police means stop putting all this money into the police so that they can constantly kill us and then find ways to get off constantly. And and it's. Mm. It, it just, it just, it, I'm at a, I'm almost at a loss for words because every time I, I get into it, man, it's just like, I, it's, I don't, I feel like there has to be a solution, but I also know it's not something that we can do on our own. Like you said, a lot of this stems from just white people's inability to extend empathy to people that don't look like them. Yeah. That's what I wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I grew up, I was born in Washington, D.C. I lived in PG County, Maryland from like the fifth grade up until I graduated and went to WVU. In the time of living in PG County in the 90s, PG County cops just had the reputation of being like the worst. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing is they had a high population of black cops. So these black cops for whatever reason, they feel they have to prove that they're down. So if you get run into a black PG cop back then, he'd be more aggressive than a white PG cop. And so living in that sort of mindset, like coming, well, coming out of the crack era in 80s DC, and then you move to Maryland where it's supposedly the suburbs, but you still have, you still have poverty, you still have wild cops, you still it's it's like PG County, if you finesse it right and your parents get like a pretty decent job, whatever, you can have a pretty decent life, but you can still get pulled over to cops if they want to at a mo at any moment they want to. Any given moment. I remember I was I remember in when I was in college and this was in I believe this was like 2010 or something like that i was leaving a friend's house in college park and i was driving back home and it's, it was like at least one or two in the morning and i'm driving on route one and there's a cop who like gets behind me he tailgates me for absolutely no fucking reason like if he wanted to he could have passed me i legit believe he just ran my ass he rolled on my ass to see if I would either violate some sort of traffic law or he just ran my tags to see if I had like some sort of charge or warrant or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so he rode me for what felt like at least like five to 10 minutes. And then he drove past me when he found out there was nothing that he was going to do, like nothing, Get on like you. no crime I committed or whatever. And so it's like, it's like even an intimidation type of thing, like, like I, I've, I've legitimately never felt comfortable around a police officer in my entire life. Like, and it's not like I've never been physically hit by a police officer. 
but I've been around wild aggressive cops for no fucking reason. And to even kind of go back to what I was saying about how it's just when I asked the question, like, what are white people going to do to save this country? A lot of that is like white people just sort of inability to want to accept responsibility for for their citizens. Like, like when we show video of cops harassing people, even when we show videos of cops killing people, why why aren't these other white people saying instead of saying he shouldn't have resisted arrest these white people are so big on the law why why isn't the argument well why didn't this police officer arrest him so he can go through the criminal justice system get trial in the court of public law like like these like the yo it, here i'm gonna tell you what it is it's easier to deal with a, a dead nigga than a live one and that's why even in even for these people that are out here saying I'm not racist, and it's like, uh, you know what? That's just one last black person I got to worry about. I mean, basically, like it's yeah. it's just dealing not only with like white people, but it's also conservative black people. Also, like it's dealing with older generations that mm-hmm. are really holding on to the fact that you know they say we need police officers. But in your entire life, like, and for the listeners, like, I really urge you to kind of think about this question also. How many times have you actually needed a cop in your life? How many times have a police officer actually prevented crime? And I'm not talking about if you're in a concert and there's, like, cops basically being quasi-security guards or you're in a nightclub or you're in a bar and they're being quasi security like security guards. I'm talking about how many times has a cop actually prevented crime? Like they they like they don't prevent burglaries. They don't prevent sexual assaults and things that are granted in sexual assaults. They don't prevent carjacking. They don't prevent domestic violence. They don't prevent murder. Mm-hmm. What is their actual function? Like most of these motherfuckers aren't gum shoes. They're not detectives. <laughs> right. They're, they're glorified. <laughs> they're 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 glorified meter maids with pistols and the right to kill people. What what function? And when they're, people t- what and when people talk about defund police, my biggest question is. What function do police officers actually serve in your neighborhoods other than driving up money for the local municipals and counties? They're reactionary is what they are. And to kind of pull from uh, some some of our material, we've gone over a whole bunch. It's like Tony in uh, Age of Ultron, man, like he was saying that he the Avengers only reacted to events that happened. And he was trying to get ahead of the things that happened and be prepared for whatever was coming down the line and things like that. And the the police sole function is to come to the scene of a crime and determine or the scene of a scene of a disturbance and see what's happening there and and try to assess the situation and and go from there. And if there's a if a dude's beating his wife, you're supposed to separate him and and if he's drunk or Whatever you're supposed to get, get them out of there. If if there's been a sexual assault, then you're supposed to uh, bring in the victim. And I'm only going off SVU, but I imagine you got to do a rape kit and everything else. Um, 
if if there's been a robbery, you gotta you go in and you look what happened and you're not a gumshoe, you're not a detective, so you're not gonna be tracking down like Encyclopedia Brown who stole the baseball cards or anything like that. So it's more like, all right, this is the missing stuff. We got your statement. Uh, we'll keep an ear out if we hear anything or if we see anything. And that's kind of it. You're never going to get your baseball cards back again or whatever valuable appliance or that was stolen from you or money that was stolen from you if the person got away. Um, their function is to react when there's been um, a fight or someone's been stabbed or hurt. Police show up. Paramedics show up. The paramedics do all the hard work. They they're the ones trying to save lives or, or deal with everything else. And the police are just there to take statements when there's an accident. Police show up. Like what happened? Like like when I got in my car accident four years ago, the the cop showed up and he was like, "So what, what happened?" I was like, "I was going too fast. I had my brake a little too late, and then it didn't catch, and I rear-ended this person." And mind you, the cop was cool. We didn't get me no trouble or anything like that. He wasn't like the one I ran into in Grant Town who asked me about all the drugs I had in the back of the vehicle when it was like nine o'clock in the morning on my birthday after dropping my wife off <laughs> at her uh, middle school or girlfriend at the time. But, you know, but still, these are the things that happen. Like everything is reactionary um, and it doesn't really prevent crime. And like, and then what white people use it for is like, Yo, I see a black person. There's going to be a crime. I'm going to call a cop. And then the cops roll up, and then that's when things get escalated to a million percent. And then that's when we end up dead, man. And it's it's just stupid. It's stupid, It's and it just doesn't seem like there's going to be an end in sight. And that's why I feel like that's why I'm really excited for the NBA protesting. Because I ain't going to lie, Marcus, because when I first saw that, that they are going to play basketball, I was like, I was like, oh, man, they're going to be playing basketball. I just got basketball back. But when they actually did it, and then I saw that everything was falling in line right afterwards, and they canceled everything in the WNBA, then it became, yo, this is bigger. Obviously, it's bigger than the sport. This is, this is for us in this moment. Whether this moment lasts for the rest of their season and it gets canceled, or whether it is something that's only for a few days, or if the Lakers and the Clippers refuse to play, and then they are eliminated from the playoffs, like... In this moment, that's why this is, we had to do this podcast tonight. Was this is big, and they did it for they did it for Jacob, and then they ultimately did it because our lives matter in their eyes, and they're trying to make their owners in the national media and everybody realize that this isn't something that's just going to go away, and we're not going to go down here and play your little basketball for you uh, in the bubble while you keep on murdering our people. Like this, this is important. So I. That's why I wanted to do this now because I I feel really proud of what they did, um, and and I hope it's something that I just want to see what happens next, like we talked about earlier, because this could be a, a it could be a stepping stone towards something. Um, I just don't know if it will be or what it would be. Yeah, I um, I do think that even kind of talking about like defund police versus police reform or whatever. And earlier I said, you know, you can't reform slave patrollers. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm up for any kind of true discussion of what, what, what is it really going to take to really guarantee that police aren't killing people? And if that means 
def, uh, def, uh, defunding police unions, if that means mandatory, like police have to live in a certain neighborhood if they want to police it, if that means police with no automatic weapons, if that means police with no pistols, that like, yeah, that would that, be huge. If that means police not using driving tactics to ram people off the road, which can potentially kill them and harm others, mm-hmm. I'm for that. Like, yeah. I think elimination of SWAT. Like, like I mean, like, like I'm I'm wanted. I want white people to have an honest conversation about all this stuff. I want Americans to have honest conversation about all this stuff. But we're we really have a point of where people just kind of have bad faith arguments where they only, it's not that they don't want to have an actual conversation. They just want to tell you how wrong you are. Yeah. And yeah, they certainly do. It's not, it's not helpful to anybody. Like it's a waste of people's time. And so if there's actual solution for reform that can guarantee cops don't have the right to murder people then then let's get that ball rolling and for the for the nba players with the boycotts i was very proud when i first saw the news and like i said i didn't believe what happened and then when they did i was very happy for them and i was very proud of them but now it's kind of like now we're kind of on the seesaw of like what's the next step like how many games are being boycotted? Yep. I mean, because the funny thing is, someone someone put this on Twitter too. Like, you know, this is a work strike, and the first team to cross over, they're going to be scabs. And like, <laughs> yeah, and I'm thinking like the first team to play ball, like they they're going they're going to look like coons. <laughs> like, yep. like who's going to be the first team to go? And so. Well, one, I'm fortunate it won't be the Wizards, even though they they were re- regrettably terrible and a waste of time and resources while in the bubble. But <laughs> seriously, like that's that's kind of what it is now. Like this is the first strike, and in the Bucks in the Milwaukee Bucks statement, they said they didn't want to rush anything; they wanted to make a decision about stuff. Now it's kind of like they made they made decision A. What's B, C, and D, and beyond? Um, And I saw in the report, LeBron James he kind of voiced like in that in those meetings to continue the boycott. He listed like one of the reasons was he wanted owners to have more accountability. Like, and and the funny like he he (laughs) like he won that championship in Cleveland for. Dan Gilbert, who definitely voted for Trump and will vote for Trump again. Yes, yes, he did. Like, I'm fairly certain the um, the Warriors, uh, the Warriors president. I'm pretty like the owner for them. Oh, pretty yeah. sure, pretty sure he's a Republican too. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, we know Mark Cuban. Like, like I don't. <laughs> I mean, like the thing is, like, like. Like what did he? At least rich- Mark Cuban says Black Lives Matter, man. Oh yeah, but let me go ahead and uh put let that vote, vote Trump, put that money yeah. in Trump's pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Until they publicly come out and you know beyond just saying Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. like you have to prove it. Like this is like this is a proving error. Like like 
I think a lot of people are way past like lip service. Like, what are you going to do to make this better country? And if you're not, get out the way, please. Yeah. <sighs> well, well said, Marcus. So we've been talking for a little over an hour now about everything that happened. Uh, WNBA um, and NBA boycotted their games tonight. The NBA and WNBA postponed their games. And according to uh, everything we're reading off of the Twitter, uh, the Lakers and Clippers both voted to not to continue to boycott. The rest of the league did not. And I'm not sure what's going on in WNBA right now. The WNBA Twitter doesn't have anything like that. Um, I will say, um, there when I turned on the TV earlier, there was a player on the Mystics who was uh, speaking, and I just had it pulled up. Let me see. Her name is uh, Ariel Atkins. And she was just talking about everything that happened over the past few months and everything that happened with Jacob Blake. And she really did a great job summing everything up. I know the Bucks had a statement that they prepared and they read. I, I didn't watch that, but I did catch Ariel Atkins live. So that was it was really well done. And the unity being shown on on their court and over an NBA up until these player meetings, apparently, is uh, it's really outstanding to see. Um, this is definitely a moment in time because we don't know what happens tomorrow. I'm going to get this out as soon as I can, consider it's an emergency pod and it's relevant right now. But um, going forward, Marcus, did you have anything, any other closing thoughts on everything that's occurred or anything else you wanted to say about recent months? Because we really haven't gotten to talk other than talk about everything that's happened other than just random conversations we'll have before other pods or when we get on the phone or something. So anything you want, you go right ahead. Well, shout out to the Washington mystics. They're still the reigning NBA champions. Undisputed. Uh, they're well, this season they're definitely disputed. (laughs) Um, but no, I'm, I'm mostly proud of them. The, the mystics this season, Along, I mean, honestly, the whole WNBA, other than the owner of the Atlanta team, uh, the Atlanta Dream, uh, particularly the Wizards, I want to shout the Mystics. I want to shout them out for being actually the Wizards too. The Mystics and the Wizards, like they've been both very vocally active. Um, Bill, shout out to Bradley Bill, like he was a part of the protests. They were going on in D.C. Uh, yep. before the bubble started. Absolutely. Um, I believe John was out there, too. Um, John does a lot of – John Wall does a lot of great things in the D.C. community. Um, they – the and Ted Leonsis, going back to white owners, like, he's given these players, you know, the room to do these different things. I want to see Ted Leonsis, you know – Tell me he's not voting for Trump. I I want to make I want to make sure Ted Leonsis is voting for uh, voting for Biden, like flat out. No, I don't want to see no third party bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like I want to see his fucking ballot. But Ted Leonsis has actually been a great owner, and I think he he has openly supported. Actually, the I believe the Wizards were the first NBA team to do like the black lives matter actual statement. And so Telly Onsis has really been good for us, even though he should have paid 
uh, Barry Trotz, and we wouldn't have got the gentleman sweep this year against the Islanders without seeing the here nor there. <laughs> um, but I'm proud of the Mystics. Dick talk. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. Proud of the Mystics. Um, I'm proud of black people who are using their voice for change. I'm proud of brown people, I'm proud of trans people, I'm proud of I'm proud of people who question their sexual identities. Like I'm proud of people who feel like they're marginalized and they rightfully are, and they're trying to use their voices to to make the world a better and safer place. I'm proud of, you know, Latino girls here in San Antonio who are constantly protesting, constantly doing social media posts. I'm proud of NBA players like Matt Barnes. Like, I'm proud of a lot of people who are really making their voices heard. And I know that everyone's generic thing is vote, but, you know, we have the, it's, it's, it's being vocally active. It's being visibly active. And that's kind of what it's all about. And so, yeah, vote, do that. But do other things also. Put your money into resources. Put your money into bail funds if you can. Put your money into, you know, people that, you know, their li- their lives have been rocked by tragedy yeah. because of the state that they live in. You know, you know, do do better. America just do better. Well, well said, my friend. Well said. Um yeah, so we're going to keep an eye on on the events to see what unfolds. America does need to do better. Um, vote, it is important. Vote locally. That can impact you more than you know. And if you're going to vote in a national election, don't vote for Donald. <laughs> and don't vote for Kanye. God, please don't vote for Kanye. Good Lord. I mean, it's, <sighs> it's realistic, man. Just like, I don't even, and this is not even really saying that I necessarily like Biden or Kamala, but it's, it's vote for Biden or bus. Like that's, that's, yeah. that's what it is. Like, we don't need to really sugarcoat it. Like, nope. like, like nope. I said, I'm, like I said, I'm not necessarily a fan of Biden or Kamala, but if they aren't getting your vote this November, then, then it's, it's a vote for fascism if you're not voting for them. Like it's a straight vote up for hate, man. It's it's a vote for hate. You if you can't understand the awful things that this administration has done to immigrants and black people and brown people and anybody who isn't a wasp, uh, the past four years, then um, I mean, obviously you're not someone that is a true ally to me or Marcus or anybody else that uh, we care about. So if you can't see the evil that's going on in that, in that white house, then I feel sorry for you. And um, I hope Jesus takes pity on you when judgment day comes, buddy. <laughs> uh, I don't. <laughs> that, that was a hard reach. Um, yeah. Uh, and wear your fucking mask. Do that for me too. That's always important. So, or if you don't want to wear your mask, stay in the fucking house. Stay in the fucking house. It's been a hyphenation public service announcement. So just in case you weren't sure, I am Kellen Conley. This is my co-host, Marcus Show, Mad Love Robinson. Uh, you've been listening to Hyphen Nation, the Barack Obama-approved world's greatest podcast. Um, brought to you by Hyphen Nation. Oops, brought to you by Hyphen Podcast Group. Morgantown, West Virginia-based podcast collective bringing great podcasts to the people, hyphenpodcastgroup.com. 
I'd like to take a second to proudly welcome Obvious Nonsense to Hyphen Podcast Group. We just released some of their new episodes. All that will be going up on the site here shortly. Um, and then don't forget when Marcus isn't showing off or showing mad love and making great points on the pod or on his own pod. We should do this again sometime with Cat with Cat and Mark. Um, he also writes over at the Mark Rob. That wordpress.com. Even if he's not currently writing, he has great writing over there, okay? And it's located at the markrob.wordpress.com. That's the M A R C R O B.wordpress.com. Please check that out. Or he's on Letterboxd reviewing movies. Yeah, Letterboxd, uh, Cash Me Review on two star art house movies. <laughs> so, sound a little disappointed there. <laughs> uh, well, the episode we're putting up tomorrow. One of them was kind of a stinker, but that's neither here nor there. If you guys want more of these music hot, uh, movie hot takes, listen to We Should Do This Again sometime. Speaking of We Should Do This Again sometime, was the theory that from uh, Ferris, Day, or Ferris Bueller's Day Off that uh, it was all in Cameron's head? Was that the one that you said that y'all had? Yeah, that was, I, I never thought about that. You had never uh, thought of, yo, that's been running around for years that it was all in Cameron's head. Oh, really? Yeah, that wasn't, I mean, that wasn't a new topic, bro. No offense. I mean, I, I love y'all's takes. Cat was murdering shit. Cat was murdering everything. She's like, John Bender's a fucking trash ball, <laughs> but I want his, his head shot. <laughs> this is what she said. I've, I've definitely noticed that Cat does not have time for bullshit white men. No. And that, that theme continues on this new episode also. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I've never seen 16 Candles, and I don't plan on watching it, and y'all didn't convince me anything different. Um, I do like Breakfast Club, but Ferris Bueller is a is a great film in my in my opinion. So I'm glad that it didn't get too deep on the trashing of Ferris Bueller, other than the principal, who um, deserves it. Obviously, we 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 kind of well, Cat trash Breakfast Club more because of her <laughs> yeah, issues with her. Yeah, yeah, you seemed a little little like <laughs> not. I was sure, actually I was actually... Su- surprised for the way she came off the top rope. Yeah, I was I was really surprised that she was very anti Bender, which I understand that Bender's not he's not a good dude. No. But him not being a good dude, it didn't necessarily drown out the rest of the of their stories like for me at all. Like cause he, she was even kind of mad about the dynamics of the relationship of Ali Sheedy and Emilio Estevez. Yeah. Which Growing she up, was coming in, for everyone, yeah. Yeah, she was like, I, I think the only, I think the, the probably the only thing she got wrong, which I, I left in the episode, was about how, um, Michael uh, Hall, Anthony Michael Hall's mom, was like a nag because she didn't know her son tried to kill himself <laughs> like she i think she like like it was a like a kid brought a flare gun to school like no one <laughs> i don't know the i i've only seen flare guns i never really shot one right i don't i don't think you really ice yourself with a flare gun cat so <laughs> like it was <laughs> like, i think that was the only one she kind of went too hard on but um but yeah, man, like it's, it's, I think it's a good, 
I think it's a good sort of vehicle to have to put out sort of takes that no one's kind of thinking about. Because like you said, like I that theory about um uh Ferris Blue has always been out there. I never known that. And the the sort of thinkings of what she kind of had about Bender and everyone else in Breakfast Club, I never thought about that either. Some of them, yeah, I think she did kind of go too hard, but I don't even in going too hard, you can tell she's coming from an earnest place of where mm-hmm. She's not yes. trying to be. She's not trying to be the Skip Bayless of movie reviews. And but, thank God. <laughs> but, but she can still properly articulate her feelings and her problems with certain movies. Yeah, well, it, that was a great episode. I'm looking forward to the new episode, and it's good good to talk to you again on the pod, buddy. I, I get sad when I hear you and Cat like that should be me and Marcus and him and Cat. <laughs> I mean, she can she can record earlier and and consistently on a weekly basis, and I'm like, yo, I need you tonight. You're like, I'm working. <laughs> well, yeah, you actually called me while I was in the middle of getting finishing work. And yeah, so I had, I had a feeling work. I was gonna leave a voicemail if you had hadn't picked up. Like, emergency pod, <laughs> we oh, have to do this now. Hilarious. I'm if it's um, I mean, shit. Other than. Other than Monday, Tuesdays, and maybe Wednesdays, basically Mondays and Tuesdays. Well, actually, because we're taking a break for the next three weeks, um, I'm free. Like, I want to be free. Like, I um, they all want to be free. That's why the NBA boycotted. Basically, <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna be taking a break from my pod for a while. Um, but, but yeah, man, if you if you want to have like a uh, set episode or emergency emergency pod or if you want to get on one of the halloween episodes that we're doing yeah because you you would hit me up and said that you wanted me to uh do that one episode i don't know now it doesn't seem like it's in the lineup right now but you said you had some ideas for something you wanted me on so yeah just just let me know because i I can make i can make it happen do you might have a child run through here do i remember who it was no No. (laughs) not off the top of my head You have been listening to Hyphen Nation, the Barack Obama-approved world's greatest podcast, hosted by Kellen Conley and his semi-regular co-host, Marcus Showin' Mad Love Robinson. Find Kellen at B-Hyphen on Twitter, the B-Hyphen on the Gram, and Hyphen Universe on Zuckerberg's Monster. Follow Marcus on Twitter and IG at Showin' Mad Love. Leave off the E to track him down. Email the show at b-hyphen at gmail.com. As always, this has been a Hyphen Podcast Group production. I'm Melisette of The Frightful Fret, and believe me when I say the best has not come yet. This is a Hyphen Podcast production. Are you not entertained?